Hello and welcome to Beyond Markets by Julius Baer, a series featuring conversations with experts to share recent market developments, key insights and strategic inputs from around the globe. In each episode, we cut through the noise to bring practical advice and macro research on today's shifting economic and market landscape. Please listen to the important legal information at the end of this podcast. Hello, and welcome to another episode in our podcast series, Beyond Markets. My name is Perlin Wong, and I'm Head of Investment Promotion and Solutions Asia. Today, we have with us Norbert Rucker, Head of Economics and Next Generation Research, joining us all the way from Zurich. Hi, Norbert. Nice to have you with us today. Hello, Perlin. Norbert is our commodities and crude oil expert and he's therefore the perfect person to discuss the topic of our podcast today, oil. Oil prices have seen some dramatic moves. Today, Brent's oil surged past US $100 a barrel for the first time since 2014. The reason, of course, is Russia's dramatic escalation of the Ukraine crisis. After Vladimir Putin ordered a full-scale military invasion of Ukraine, sparking fears of a disruption to the region's critical energy exports. Norbert. I recall that you recently wrote that such a military escalation falls into our bear case scenario, or in fact, the fact that a military escalation would lead to an economic shock. Now, this has become a reality. Could you share with our listeners what this invasion could mean for financial markets and in particular for oil prices? Yeah, sure. Well, the oil market currently is definitely all about the Ukraine crisis. And with the recent events, it seems like that this crisis has escalated to crucial tipping points. And the main distinction that we do is exactly the one, is it purely a sentiment shock? So like you've seen it today, something that affects financial markets, capital markets, brings nervousness, increases the risk aversion, or does this crisis turn into an economic shock? because of even higher energy prices, because of the economic toll this brings, basically leading also to impact that the monetary policy changes, changes from, from tightening to its easing, and we see more stimulus. It seems like we are at the brink of it, of this, that the scenario is a more worst-case scenario, could become a more worst-case scenario. That said, there's so much noise these days, there's so much uncertainty, there's so much lack of visibility that we rather ask ourselves, well, what are the key questions we need to answer first? So let me ask you a few questions then, Norbert. Could you quantify things for us? How much of the European and global oil and gas trade is at stake? If history is any guide, how would you perceive oil and gas markets to react in the near term to this crisis? And additionally, can other suppliers step in to adjust the supply imbalance? If you look at the energy trade between Russia and Europe, this is a substantial energy trade for the oil market, but also if you look at the natural gas market. Um, So if you look at some of the numbers, um, Europe roughly buys 25 to 30% of its oil from Russia. And if you look at the other side, the Russian side, it's roughly half of the oil exports that go to Europe. So there's very high mutual dependencies. And I think that's a key point. As with any trade, the dependencies are mutual. So then if you look at the next step, what happens if you would cut this trade, uh, be it for sanctions, uh, be it also for damage, um, what would happen? And the thing is that Russia doesn't have that much alternative to ship this crude somewhere else. 
especially because it goes through kind of, we call it choking points. It goes through the Baltic Sea, it goes through the Black Sea. These are easy to control trade routes. So Russia also doesn't have any kind of other pipelines linking towards Asia. It doesn't have the infrastructure in terms of ports, ships, rail cars to really compensate a shortfall. So if you would see this trade cut, basically the entire global market lacks a certain supply component. Then the third element, if you look at Europe, would there be alternative supplies? Would there be someone else that can step in? Unfortunately not, because over the past one and a half years, we had a dramatic surge in consumption and demand. The whole supply side of the oil market couldn't even coop up with that. So basically, there's very little spare capacity and there's no spare capacity to fully compensate a shortfall from Russian oil. And that's exactly why such an escalation, such an outcome where you see sanctions, damage, this trade disrupted, really brings a heavy economic burden and toll. Well, to some extent, there are certain options, and that's exactly the questions we, we raise ourselves. To what extent can the petronations nevertheless jump in a bit? So talking about the Middle East, talking about Saudi Arabia, the Emirates, and so on. Because remember, they still have a supply deal. They're still not producing at their limits. Or another option is, what about Iran? What about a revival of the nuclear deal, which would allow them to come back to the oil market? So there are these levers to some extent to partially compensate a shortfall. But until this happens, or to which degree this happens, in the meantime, you simply have an oil market, which is very much afraid, where you see these triple-digit prices, where anything escalation more, anything goes wrong, you most likely simply see an even higher spike in prices. I see. Let's put aside the Russian-Ukraine crisis for a moment and take a more medium-term perspective. What would you say are the global demand and supply drivers for oil markets today? Yeah, I think it's a good point because we should always keep in mind what else is going on. And I think that's quite interesting that, as mentioned over the past one and a half years, we had simply very strong demand growth, very strong consumption growth because the economy was so stimulated. I think economic activity came back very swiftly. I think this is one of the things that sticks out with the pandemic is we hardly have ever seen such a strong recovery bounce of economic activity. And this obviously overwhelmed the oil market because the oil market on the supply side, then we talk about very complex operations. We, we talk about overall slow moving, complicated supply chains. So they were overwhelmed. And on top of that, you also had the patronations which artificially constrained supplies. So basically what Ukraine crisis aside, the way we look at the oil market is that there are things are changing. So from 2021, where demand growth exceeded supply growth, we believe that 2022 is rather the opposite. Supply catches up to demand growth. And one of the reasons is, if you look at the Western world, if you look at the major oil consumers, including China, the pandemic recovery has largely run its course. Demand is back at cruising speed. It's more in, in niches, air travel, uh, some of the southeastern Southeastern Asian economies, we see still some potential for further demand growth. But this is much less of a potential, much less of growth than we have seen in 2021. So for us, the bottom line is the oil market is in a transition phase where the tightness should ease, storage situations somewhat relax, and where supply growth takes over. 
But overarching simply is all the uncertainty that comes with the Ukraine crisis. Norbert, I think you would agree that longer-term megatrends in the energy market, such as the global shift towards electric vehicles and climate politics, remains intact. These are, in fact, an important focus for our next-generation research team. So what would you say are the secular trends to watch out for in oil markets? That's a very important point because besides the transition I just mentioned, which is more cyclical, there are enormous structural forces at play. And we believe that the current decade, the oil market really is kind of entering into a new phase, into something different. And one element we have a close eye on is the very rapid shift towards electric mobility. If you look at Europe, um, if you look at China, the market shares of purely electric cars has been rising much faster than anyone has foreseen. And this is largely the result that more and more automakers really bring very credible cars to the market, which uh, kind of find buyers, the technology is involved, longer driving ages, everything. So this very swift shift towards electric mobility really brings the likelihood of a peak in global oil demand very much forward. We would say it's somewhere around 2025. So basically, this structural shift completely erases the growth paradigm from the oil market. And the consequences are then quite diverse. Um, You see that some of the oil companies basically take more prudence. So in terms of investing, they are not really aiming for growth anymore. They're rather aiming for good capital returns. You see this, for example, in the shale business. You see some of the European majors. But another consequence is then, well, how do the patronations react to that? Because at the end, it's a reminder that their oil wealth is somewhat finite. So do they accelerate the drilling to capitalize this wealth as long as they can to their weight? Will, under these circumstances, be a higher demand, higher need for oil politics to manage this risk? Because basically, most of the oil or more of the oil will come out of government hands, out of patronations. So bottom line is, it's, it's a very interesting kind of structural new era that we have embarked on for this decade, with lots of additional question marks to pose ourselves. And what's being mixed there a bit is often kind of the element of sustainability and climate politics as being something that constrains supplies, which we don't believe. Thank you, Norbert, for this timely and fascinating exchange. We have covered quite a lot of ground. Could you perhaps wrap up in two to three sentences for our listeners what our short, medium, and longer-term views are for oil markets? If you look at the oil market today, we see a very nervous, we see a very red and hot market, very much fear-driven. Obviously, the Ukraine crisis is, is top of mind. We see oil prices that are at economic burdensome levels. And amidst this uncertainty, this noise, and this really lack of visibility, if one thing we can turn to is that whenever oil prices have been at such kind of levels where they start a slow growth, they usually went lower in the longer term. So for us, it's more of a question, despite how long lasting is it, how much further can it go? That's the uncertainty. But we have high confidence that in the longer term, towards end of the year, next year, oil prices most likely will be lower than these levels that we see today. 
But given this noise, given this uncertainty from basically events, how they evolve in the past days, you obviously stick to a neutral view because just of the, yeah, the many questions we have in the near term. That sums it up really nicely. Thank you, Norbert, for your insights into all markets and much more. On behalf of Norbert and all our colleagues at Julius Bear, thank you for tuning in and goodbye. You have been listening to Beyond Markets by Julius Bear. If you like what you heard, subscribe to our show on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you listen. To learn more about Julius Bear, our people, our latest thinking, visit us at www.juliusbear.com. We will be back with a brand new episode soon. This is a podcast disclaimer. The information and opinions expressed in this podcast constitute marketing material and are not the result of independent financial or investment research. The podcast content is intended for information purposes only and does not constitute an offer, a recommendation or an invitation by or on behalf of Julius Baer to buy or sell any securities, security-based derivatives or other products or to participate in any particular trading strategy in any jurisdiction. Julius Baer does not accept liability for any loss arising from the use of the podcast content. Please refer to www.juliusbear.com forward slash legal forward slash podcasts for further important legal information.